Yo, yo, what's up? Welcome back to episode two of the Teachers Deserve It podcast show, conversation, uh, all of that in between. You can see if you're on video, uh, our friend uh, Jesus Huerta we got on today. But uh, my name is Adam Welcome, and uh, we're super excited to have you back. Yeah, hey guys, my name is Ray. I'm really excited for episode two, Adam, because I mean, geez, I feel like anytime we're able to talk to educators is a positive but Jesus, I'm so stoked to talk to you. Awesome. I'm, I'm glad to be here. Um, I know you guys have started this show, so I'm, I'm very honored to be one of the first few guests that you have. And um, Ray, finally, we get to connect. Adam, <laughs> I've known for a couple of years. Um, really appreciate him, you know, just, you know, including me in anything that, that he thinks I would be a great fit in. So I, I just appreciate everything. Well, and I was telling Adam, I was like, I feel like I've been stalking Jesus on social media for a while now, and I'm really excited to hear your story and learn about you. Just hopefully this is the start of a, of a beautiful friendship here, buddy, because I'm so glad that we're able to chat. Before we get too far in, would you mind just sharing like about yourself? Like what do you do in education, all that stuff? Sure. So I, um, I've been teaching this in my seventh year. Um, I'm 41, I'm going to just mention that because I started later in life. So someone out there is listening and you're interested in going into teaching or something in education, it's, it's not too late. Um, that's thanks to my wife because uh, she, I had left education. I had been studying there for a couple of years and I dropped out of school, went into the workforce. And then where we were working, we got laid off on December 23rd. And my son was like six months cool. old, um, nine months old around there. Um, because the contract in that place had changed. So they, it shrunk. So I was, and before that, I was like applying at the post office, anything that would be quick, like a career, you know, but it wasn't really anything I was interested in. And um, actually I had um, an interview for border patrol. If anybody knows me, you can't imagine that. So um, <laughs> I bombed that interview. I even had yeah, an interview. Dude, I can't, I can't see you as border patrol, Jesus. <laughs> You know what? I would have got fired or arrested. I would have just been like, you know what? Just come on in. It's okay. I love it. Come on in. <laughs> so, but, you know, I got really frustrated. And it's weird because I ended up going like through this back road. I couldn't make a call until I finally got, you know, saying I called her and I was super frustrated. Like, like a tear in my eye for us. And she goes, why don't you just go back to school? Just, you always talk about wanting to be a teacher and you never went back. Just ask, you know, can you come back in? Maybe they'll, they will. And now I'm teaching, so I, I owe that to her. I mean, I really do. So um, seven years teaching, usually fifth grade. Um, awesome thing this year, I'm, I'm looping with my students. So my fifth graders from last year are my sixth graders this year, which I think is something that a lot of teachers should have had as an option because now they need to meet their kids virtually, but that's, I guess, like a different story. Um, I live in Imperial County. Uh, I live in El Centro. If you've never heard of it, it's okay. You might've heard of it lately because we're one of the COVID hotspots. Um, and I teach in Calexico. Um, we're border community, like that area, but Calexico is a true border town because I could walk out of my, my classroom and jog, Adam, that's dedicated to you, jog down to Mexico in like five to seven minutes. Probably you, that'll take me a little longer. Um, <laughs> so the... <laughs> The dynamic with kids in El Centro, which is not really a border town versus Calexico, is, is huge. It's, it's worlds apart. It can't, I can't say if I teach in El Centro that I teach in a border town. Um, once I was in Calexico, I'm like, okay, now I see some of the struggles, and, and, but also, you know what, the community there, the families there, I feel like the parents are a lot more involved. 
Um, it's weird. They're always like, well, what else do they need? You know, I don't have much, but I can try to do something for them. What can I do at home? So it's, it's, it's been awesome. And um, yeah, I mean, I have my wife, I have two kids. The son just started high school. I have a 24 year old season Phoenix. She's in the nursing program there and busy life. So, and oh, I guess on top of all that, I, I love blending technology in the classroom, any kind of technology. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you know, Jesus, you and I have had the opportunity to hang out in person a couple times. And uh, I've, I've spoken down in, uh, down in Calexico and I've done some conferences down there and, you know, we've gotten to hang out and, and talk and I've gotten actually to kind of see you not present, but like facilitate learning. I think that was at a Tech de Mayo uh, a few mm-hmm. years ago, you know, and I know you and I, like we, we text, I don't know, like every couple of weeks, just about something. And I'm always kind of seeing what you're doing and, uh, Jesus is another one of those educators, Ray, that is very humble. He was, uh, he's an award-winning educator uh, with, with Q, which is, Q is the uh, IDEA um, affiliate in California. It's like the ISTE affiliate. Um, and Jesus does amazing things. He, you know, he very humbly says, I, I like to integrate technology into the curriculum. I and mean, I'm like, bro, like Jesus is getting a 3D printer for every one of his students this school year. Right, he's getting a, a 3D printer for every one of his students. In California, across the state is virtual. Yes, yes. Can you, can you say that for, again for the people in the back really quick? And I don't know how he's getting it, but this, this guy like does programs and scholarships and I know what he's talking about when he's talking about you know, the communities in El Centro and Calexico, because I know quite a few other educators and just that passion uh for education and we're gonna cut we're, we're gonna get into what you wrote in teachers deserve it and kind of your inspiration uh i think you know from your family and, and your family's history maybe and kind of getting back into giving to education but man like go go a little bit deeper because just saying that you like to integrate technology you were just like barely like on the top of it what are some of the things that you've done with 3D printing and just, I mean, technology integration. And talk about getting a 3D printer for every single one of your students, which I've never heard of ever. Like, hey, Seuss, ramble for some time, bro, because you got a lot to talk about, dude. So um, my first year I taught math, right? And I sucked at it. I I, I cried like a tear or two, not gonna lie. Because I thought, damn, I'm gonna go back to dispatching right now. And, uh, Terry Mason, that was my principal, and, and she's the one that gave me my first shot um, at, at the first district I was at. And she was my principal when I did my student teaching. Um, she always believed in me. And so she told me, no, 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 don't, don't get upset. She goes, I know you're meant for like fifth or sixth grade, but I wanted to see how you would do in math. She goes, you know what, it's not a fit, but I know where you fit. So a couple years later, um, I had already gone to a conference the following year, a uh, um, Q Rockstar event. And I had already kind of known this teacher named Ascension Reyes. If you guys don't know him, follow him on Twitter. He's, he's amazing. He's, he's like a wealth of knowledge. But not only that, he's just one of the most humble guys you'll ever meet. And um, he told me something. Because I, I was like, you know, what do I want to see at this conference? And I was like, okay, robots, 3D printers. I was like, okay, I'll just hang out with this guy all day. And I made a little name tag the first time. I was like, okay, this isn't too bad. I thought this has got to be for like high school, like, you know, like a club or something. So I told him, hey, I go, and it was 
not like a gotcha question, but well, how do I use this in elementary class? I go, you can't use this, right? He just said something and it just, it like flipped the switch. He goes, why not? And after that, I was like, that's not maybe meant for the classroom, but why not? Why can't I look at it, learn it, and manipulate it to be a learning tool? And after that, I mean, I just always implemented technology. And um, my last year in that district with Terry Mason, they found a bunch of um, dashes and dots that just were never used. Nobody asked for them. She goes, you want them for your classes? I was like, yeah, give them to me. And I've been like, you know what? I, I need to have more. Once I have like, okay, I have a set of this. Okay, what's the next thing? Because if you go to like an affluent school, they have everything. And people pay top dollar or above top dollar for those educations. Yeah, we don't replicate that. Why? We're always like, oh, use this book, teach to this script. But if you step foot, and I've stepped foot on a couple, you know, pretty fancy schools. I'm like, this is nothing like any other school. Yet, you know, these people are driving, you know, Teslas and Porsches and they're bringing their kids here. Why? And I was like, Create, but also when it's time for like a brain break. Um, Jesus, can you go back? We lost you for about 15 seconds. You, uh, you got, oh, okay. Um, is that better? Can you hear me right now? Yes. Okay. Um, so then, um, I was mentioning, so, I mean, I saw these affluent schools and I'm like, okay, so what I'm doing is the right thing. And from there, I, I just started implementing anything I could get my hands on. I have, you know, some makey makeys. I have a class set of Arduinos. Um, I have, <laughs> I have five personal 3D printers and I'm sure my wife is shaking her head right now somewhere in this room. Um, I have my home right now. And then the district's like, oh, we got one more for you. Um, I have three VR headsets and it's not to brag, but it's just, look, these kids need to have access to it. And where I'm at, um, we have a lot of migrant kids. If, if the listeners don't know what that is, their parents follow the crops, they're field workers. And a lot of them don't make much. They make at least minimum wage. But if they're here illegally, they're probably getting paid less. And sometimes they don't get paid. And that's another you know, story. And, and it's, it's sad when that happens. Um, so for me, it's, they're not going to have access to it. One, because the parents, if, if you've ever worked out in a field, picking, cutting, doing anything, you don't come home and go, all right, time for my online class. Your, your body wrecked and your mind even more. So you know what, they're not going to know what is it, they're not going to go get a 3D printer. They're, they're probably not going to have time and, and afford it. So for me, it's like, it's my job to give them access to that. Um, the biggest reason is everything that's coming down the line. And I said it when I first got a printer, I was like, I have to show it to them because I know this is going to be amazing technology and VR, same thing. Right now, they're still in the process of testing like 3D printed retinas. So Ray, if you had cataracts, I'm going to say about 28, um, if you had cataracts right now, you're like, great, I'm going to have, I'm going to lose vision in one of my eyes. Well, they would take some of your blood, some of your skin for DNA, 3D print a retina, and then put it in your eye and replace the other one. And your body would accept it because it would just go through the trauma of the surgery and say, oh, okay, I'm okay now. I just got to heal because this retina is mine. If uh, Adam, all this jogging, your heart starts to wear out. Guess what? 3D print you a heart. Maybe you had something wrong with your heart, like a valve. I'm only 27. I'm a year That's younger than Ray. She's <laughs> 28. I'm 27. Thank you, Jesus, for clarifying. Yeah. Why didn't you guess Adam's age? Because you are really close with mine, except I'm 29, just, just for the world to know. I got another year under me. But Adam, I want you to guess his age, okay? Let's go with that. 
Adam is uh, he's one of the youngest teachers I know. 22, Adam? <laughs> 41, just like Jesus. There you bro, go. Bro, okay, so, so hold on. You said you have four personal printers at home. And I know that you told me the other day, you texted me that I got a printer for every one of my students. I know you don't have four students. I'm guessing class size, uh, upper elementary, where you are is 28, 32 something. So how did you get 30 3D printers? And bro, you, I, I know that you know you are speaking my language because I talk about 3D printing all the time when I speak and talk to people because we are just on the cusp and I didn't, didn't even know about 3D printing retinas and so many things. And I mean, the military has 3D printers. I know there's an Air Force base uh, down in Imperial Valley where you are. Um, so how did you get this? I mean, like, tell us, I want, I want to know that story. And what are you doing with it? <laughs> so <laughs> um, I'm going to name drop someone awesome in, in Calexico where I'm at now. And I've, I've worked with her for three years, but this was my, I just finished my first year in Calexico. Um, but I've been consulting with them during the summer for the last you know couple of years and then this past summer i mean i worked already there so i just you know picked up extra hours but uh brisa huerta price no relation we're not related they always ask us um if we're related but she's the director of after school enrichment and i think that's one of the most powerful programs that first of all people don't pay enough attention to and has a bad stigma her programs are not oh babysit tutor no she has like amazing programs um like with the little ones she has um like different those cube uh, they're called cubelets the little block robots that they have magnets and they snap together and she has sets all over the place just just something like that is is already you know a game changer and she has them all over the place on top of all these other things so i've been working for with her for a while and back in november it's funny how it worked out i told her hey you know we can do a print farm for like seven grand and she goes it's a print farm well basically it's just two 3d printers always working and she's like well who would run it i was like okay cool so the number didn't scare her and uh i told her well me i go what if we put them in my class i'll use it after school hopefully my students can you know use it during the day and she's like not a problem so we go through the process you know it takes a while to order um pandemic hits so we're like okay we'll just have to shelve them and we thought, oh, you know, we'll be out for a couple months. We, we didn't know how bad it was going to be. So now we're in the summer and I'm talking to her. She goes, we might not open until November. If it's bad, it could be another couple months. She goes, they could sit there for a year. They're already in the, in the warehouse. Mm -hmm. So I told her, well, I have an idea. I don't know if you want to do this. And she goes, all right, all right, let me hear. She's already used to me throwing these ideas at her. Um, I said, what if we deliver or have the kids pick up a printer? Uh, now, the, the reason it's seven grand is they're only a hundred. Now they're 169. They were 189. Um, but the plus side is, and I, I love the plus side. The kids have to build it. It's a kit. Now I've built a bunch of them before. So they would have me. And since I already have the same students last year, they already used 3d printers. So it's nothing new to them. Um, the only thing is I, I had to, I, I said, you know what? You, some of you have to sign up for ACES. Um, otherwise, you know, then, we're just using them and we're not really like earning them kind of thing. And I had a parent meeting, um, had about 18 parents show up that first meeting. We haven't even started school yet, but that was awesome. They showed up. Um, I have to, you know, my kid wants to, or no, my kid is going to sign up. Don't worry. They'll be there. So we'll build them together through zoom. Now I have 
I'm not sure if you guys can hear me. Said so, okay, there. I think it's stable now. Um, I have. Um, I'm, I'm going to have 32 or 33. So I have extra printers at home. I just deliver them, the ones that are already built, to some kids that are maybe you know not like oh I can't build it or or I have one brand new student. For him, I'll probably take him one and say okay, you know what here. Mm-hmm. Um, and a couple of those lucky ones, they get one of the. So the one they're going to get is called the Ender Three. It's it's solid. It's a big printer. It's it's not like oh it prints only very small. No no, these are workhorses. They're 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 made out of metal. Jeez. Um, there's some plastic ones that are kind of cheap. So when a couple of these kids are going to get the cousin that's a lot bigger. Like I printed, I don't know if you've ever seen that DJ Marshmallow. I printed a marshmallow helmet for Halloween. <laughs> and, you know, not to make people cry, but I had it on and kids were coming up to me and I saw some not dressed up and I say, hey, where's your costume? And in Spanish, they were just telling me that they were embarrassed that their family couldn't afford one. I took off my helmet. I said, do you want to wear my helmet? And they ran around or sharing it. Had I known about COVID, maybe I would have done it. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But you know what? I, I was like, you know what? Take my helmet. And they were running around. They are pointing at me. And kids were coming up. Where did you get this? And then I was like, okay, after school, come by. And so I would always have these strangers. I say strangers, but all these random kids come in. And what is all this stuff? And I was like, good. I want them to see it so they can tell their teachers, mm-hmm. hey, why can't we have that? Mm-hmm. So that we're going to do 30 3d printers and you're right adam i'm yeah. not and i'm not trying to brag i know you know me but oh, yeah man. nobody's doing that and that's amazing it, you're it, sharing it, can you print um a sign that says adam's 28 and raised 27 like three <laughs> can you 3d print that is that possible uh i want to read can i can i quickly read uh, a part yeah. of your ex- excerpt from teachers deserve it um and you know i'm going to kind of read it in, in parts but jesus huerta elementary school teacher in california uh, Southern California, you know, down really close to the border. I can't believe you thought about being a border patrol. That's funny. Uh, that's a whole nother conversation. I teach because I live in an area where there is no real industry. And as, and as students who are impacted socioeconomically, I want to show them that they can learn and give them exposure to the tools of the future, which goes along with what we're talking about right now, just opportunity. I want them to realize they are capable of so much more, even if they were told in previous years, they would not go far. And, you know, if you want to read everything that Jesus wrote, you know, you got to get the book, Teachers Deserve It. But what impact, I know because you talked about your mother who was a teacher in Mexico uh, before her and your, your parents immigrated to the United States. What, what part of you wants to give back um, to the students to where you live that maybe don't have the opportunity or maybe, maybe don't think they have opportunity or they don't know what they are going to be when they grow up? What, what kind of motivation and inspiration? Uh, and also, I would say, what are you doing specifically to help support those kids so they can maybe see a different future for themselves? So the biggest impact and uh, he's, my son's still asleep, but, and, and he, he gets very emotional when I talk about it. It's, um, my dad wasn't around. He left, um, I was in seventh or eighth grade. So my mom had to be mom and dad. And now that dad married with two kids, I realized, you know, that's the hardest job, you know, when you're a single parent, whether you're single dad, single mom. So, you know, she did her best. I mean, we did not have a lot of money, you know, I had hand-me-downs and all that. So whenever I go into the classroom, I'm like, you know what, when I was a kid, what would I have wanted? I want a teacher that could understand me. I don't want to go too much into detail into it, but I mean, and it's not because I'm embarrassed, just because, you know, I could talk about it 
well, I, I'm, I was diagnosed as an adult with ADHD because my son was diagnosed. So then they said, do you want to get tested? Because it might come from you or your wife. Um, so I didn't have teachers that were patient or understanding because I would doodle on the side little circles and I would, and I would listen. And one of my fourth grade teachers, and I never forgot her name, Ms. Fisher. She goes, why are you doing that? And I just, I cringed and I just, oh my God, I got caught. She goes, it helps you focus, right? And I just said, like all scared as usual, because every year I would get in trouble. She goes, never stop doing that. She goes, because if you're listening, I don't care what you're doing. And there's another teacher, um, Randy Carson. Um, um, he, um, he already passed away. But we always did projects. And I always learned, like, I just couldn't believe how much I learned doing projects. And after that, I mean, I had teachers that were kind of like, you know, here's the book and all that. And as a teacher, I was like, you know what? I just remember learning so much using my hands. So I'm always doing project-based learning, design thinking. Mm -hmm. And then um, Carl Hinshaw, I was a, his aide. He asked me, at the, I'm going to have a cookie cutter class. And he would put his feet up and read a newspaper. I'm like, look at this. I'm doing his job for him. Because he would go, oh, okay, can you go check the work and, and explain some of that? I thought this guy is taking advantage. I was like, all right, whatever. At least I'm getting out of a regular class. But I would catch him looking like over his newspaper and then he'd go like, he'd cover it. What he was doing was watching me and observing. And one day he goes, have you ever thought about being a teacher? I was like, no. And I kept thinking about why did he ask me that? And then when he was going to teach something, I would ask him, can I try again? I want to try again. Because I was like, why did he ask me that? And I made up my mind. And those three teachers of reason that I'm a teacher and how I teach um Ascension Reyes also Adam also you you know not just because I'm hearing your show I mean we've talked about it before uh you guys have all had a huge impact on me um but for me the biggest thing is I look at what these kids don't have and I'm like okay they need patience they need someone that can understand them they need an opportunity to shine not even the physical things that I have in the classroom um I don't know how many years I've I've gotten those students and they go oh you have this student, um, I'll call this student Nick, it's, that's not his room, because I don't want him to somehow listen, like, oh, they were talking about me. Um, and they go, oh, watch out. I never had a problem with them. He had a strong character. You know, he was, he was very, like, not aggressive, but I could see why. He didn't have a dad. So whenever he had a man talk to him, you know, sternly or, hey, you know, why did you? his first reaction is, I need to, you know, I need to be a man because I didn't have one around. And I talked to him. He was one of my greatest designers ever. Guess what? The next year, he didn't do so well. Teacher was very by the book. And right now I'm worried about him, which is weird. You know, the ones that you remember are sometimes the ones that are, in air quotes, the worst. But he wasn't to me. He was amazing. And his mom was like, I love how he is this year. I haven't seen her. I would love to run into her and say, hey, you know, how's he doing? But I have like 20 other students back here that I'm like, you know, how are they? They were great. Or I heard they were bad, but they weren't. Or man, they had a rough time even with me. How are they? And those are the ones you always remember. Mm -hmm. um, but for me, yeah, the, the biggest thing is where I live. Um, there's nothing there. There's no real industry. I mean, you have the field, so you have field workers. I mean, if you work for the, the prison, you have a good job. If you work as a mail carrier, you have a good job. If you work in education, like as a teacher or just for the district, you have a good job. But we don't have an industry. There's no like tourist industry. We're not Silicon Valley. You know, it's so, you know, I, I think you know him, Adam. Um, Lucio Padilla, my name mm -hmm. dropped another person. I told him, why can't we be 
just known for education. Then why can't we just yeah. change the game and be like, look, you want to learn how to teach, come down to the desert. And that's why I'm like, like, okay, you know, 30 printers. I have another couple ideas now what I want to do next. And they're even, and to me, it's like, okay, I just got to figure out how to get it done. Not, well, I can't, no, the 30 printers. I was like, I'm going to find a way to get one printer in each kid's hand. Make it Whether happen. I Make it happen. I am myself. Sure. Yeah. Or however, but the biggest thing is I had educators that understood me and tried to understand me. And I'm trying to understand these kids, but one thing that they all have in common is they don't have access to those tools for the future. Like I mentioned 3D printing, you can 3D print a house right now in 24 hours for four grand. Mm -hmm. Can't even build a room for four grand to the traditional <laughs> way. Not in California, at least. <laughs> nope. I don't know about Illinois, Ray. I know the weather's <laughs> great out there, but. <laughs> oh, man. You know, Jesus, something I've loved in all of your stories is focus on like really meeting the students where they're at, getting to know them and giving them everything humanly possible. Like, I love that, that you seem to operate in these like, like big audacious dreams, right? Like there's no reason that you should ever think of something and say, oh, but that's not possible because more so how can we as educators or how can we, you know, empower our students to say, no, but why? Like, let me truly find a solution because it does exist. I just need to kind of think outside the box. And you have throughout every story you've shared really continued to articulate this idea of like, I am not going to limit myself or allow other people to limit me because I have big audacious dreams. And I love that. So here's the moment that I want to offer you. I love that we are ending our uh, Teachers Deserve It podcast episodes with a teacher soapbox moment. And really this is your time for like a call to action for educators listening. Like what is your soapbox topic that you just wanna make sure every educator considers, like it's kind of like that mic drop moment uh, because we wanna make sure that every educator has the tools and the support to go, off, go after those like big audacious dreams. So what's your soapbox moment, dude? So I do have one actually. Um, and it's, it's not to, to slam other teachers. It, it's not that, but I like to be honest and frank. And sometimes I'm a little too honest and frank. Um, I know I've talked to Adam before my wife, she's not here, but she'll probably go like that. She'll probably nod her head. Yeah. <laughs> Look right now we're in a pandemic for six years. I've been using Google classroom and every digital tool I can find because I was like, Oh, this is a time saver. And right now it's a lifesaver for me. The thing is that after the pandemic, these teachers shouldn't go, okay, let me go back to what I usually did. Um, I left a district and I had tenure and my friend told me, why are you leaving? I go, cause I don't get to teach how I want to teach. This is not me. He's like, but you have tenure now. I'm like, no. And I, I went to another district and my friend's like, you should slow down. Why? Cause you don't have tenure. I'm like, so after tenure, I can teach how I want. And she was like, yeah. I go, how do, how do you explain these teachers have been teaching 15, 20 years and they're cookie cutter by the book piano answer look we have to take risks and how, how can teachers keep saying oh the, the system's broken okay so what are you doing about it what are you doing to change it look me and yeah okay soapbox moment I'm, I, I guess I'll brag look I know nobody's doing what I'm doing my students are going to 3d print prosthetics and we're going to donate it that's my goal yeah I want them to learn you know some engineering electrical engineering how to assemble something run that printer but I want them to feel like, I want them to get that feeling, look, I gave a prosthetic hand or a set of prosthetic fingers or whatever it is 
and I got to meet the person I helped. My teacher said this, I want to make that change from now on. Not, oh great, I'm going to sit down and do page seven, one through 21, odd number. What, what is that? No, we're not going to do that. Guess what? They're going to learn math because they have to scale down, scale up, check measurements. Okay, maybe this person has oddly sized fingers and I got to change the size of the fingers. Things that are challenging for an adult, but I'm going to challenge 10, 11 year olds to do it. If I do that now, guess what? The ball's in the next teacher's court and I don't care. I'm sorry, but that's your problem now. You need to step up and get to this kid's level, not my level, that kid's level. My students come in the first week last year and they saw the printers running. I had little nameplates for them. That's how they found their desk, not with a piece of paper and I wrote it on there. I 3D printed it for them. And they saw the printers are like, oh, so can we start using them in like a couple months? And I'm like, why are you asking that? They're like, well, anytime we had something cool in the class, we had to wait a long time. Mm. No, I go, probably by Friday, you'll be printing. They were like, uh, what? <laughs> I go, yeah, and eventually I go, I'm not gonna run the printers because I'm not gonna have time. You have to learn how to do it. Right away, kids like, can you teach me right now? Let's go. Everybody pay attention. I'm going to teach, you know, Miguel. And he's going to show you guys later on. He's going to be my right hand. That kid, you know what? He's a champ. Now he feels like a superstar. Why isn't he a superstar? Well, because he can't speak English as well as me, or he has a thicker accent. He, this kid I'm talking about, I'm thinking about, his name is Miguel. One of my best animators. We do animation. And that's, that's another way for them to be able to tell their story. Look, I'm not saying learn everything in one day. I didn't learn everything in one year. I, you know what, little by little. But the more I started learning about like technology, I mean, I was already into technology. But once I learned Google Classroom to jump into Canvas or any other LMS, it's a little easier. I learned 3D printing. I'm in the process of getting a CNC machine. It's like a 3D printer, but it carves into wood and soft metals. Um, once I learned one VR, the next VR was easy. So... I understand, you know, we're, we're, we're swamped or look, it's cause you, you know, all this. Okay. I get it. But I always tell teachers, find that one tool that calls to you, learn it then add another and then start ramping it up if you can. But we can't complain about the educational system and we're the ones running it, run it. Because I understand there's other people making choices and decisions, but we don't agree with it. So we're just going to stand by and go, okay, well, let me just do the same thing. And Look what happened. We listened and didn't follow our instincts. And now we have a bunch of teachers that guess what? They're stuck because they don't have the digital tools that are necessary for this moment right now. Well, and I think what you're, that's what I think what you're saying, I think what you're saying too, like, you know, and teachers deserve it. We say complaining is not a strategy and you can complain about kids or your situation or whatever, or you can do something about it. And I think also what you're saying too, Jesus is, you know, kids deserve it and then teachers deserve it too. And you do it for the kids. And it's actually going to make your job as a teacher more enjoyable, more fun. You're going to be able to spend time connecting with your kids, building relationships with your kids, which you've talked about a lot today. And, you know, I think also I would say too, I remember when I was a teacher and parents, I would have conferences with my, with my students' parents and they're like, well, what are we going to do next year? Because what if the teachers next year don't do what you're doing? And, you know, some of that is like, you have to work as a team, I understand, but also you also can't worry about that. Sometimes that's going to push the people that are in the next grade level. And I'm also looking at Ray as you're talking and Ray is a math teacher in Illinois. And I see a collaborative project with your students, Jesus in, in Southern California and Ray, your students with some kind of math and 3D printing or something. I, I think we need to do more of that. Um, across our country for teachers that don't have it, don't know what to do with it, or just also kids can see that collaboration um, 
And I do know uh, Lucio Padilla, who's an amazing uh, technology director down where you are. And I think, you know, you are actually in the Valley and I live in Silicon Valley. And I think we, could, we should actually make the Valley, the Valley um, and make it a place where your kids are designing and selling prosthetics and teachers and school districts make, you know, Calexico a destination where they come and see what's going on and what is possible. Um, and uh, man, I just want to say, bro, thank you. Like we've been friends for a number of years. Thank you for what you do. Thank you for not caring if people like you or not, because you were going to do what is best for teachers and what is best for kids and what is best for education. Um, this is not the business of friends. It's the business of kids and teachers and, and doing what's right. And uh, I just wish uh, more people would, uh, would roll like, uh, would roll like Jesus Huerta. So um, if people want to connect with you, man, I know you have a blog. I know you're on social media. How can, how can people find you, Jesus? So my Twitter handle is at Jesus H 1979. So J E S U S H 1979. Um, my blog is Mr. But it's, it's right there on my, my Twitter profile. Yeah. Yep. Um, either one, they can, they can find my email there. They can email me through there. Um, let's teach 1979 at gmail.com. I'll just throw it out there. Cause I don't care if people out of the blue just say, Hey, I'm interested in 3d printing or you'd mentioned VR. Like how would you use it? Yeah. Um, and, and to go back to what you're saying, I, I've had parents come in back to school night and they look around and they're like, damn, look at all this stuff. What's going to happen next year. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, and they're worried. I'm like, so do you want me to stop teaching like this? And they're like, no, 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 no. No, I'm no, like, look. You can't justify bad instruction right now because they might get bad instruction in the future. Like mm -hmm. you control the narrative. I have so many students that come back to me that they're like, Miss, you were in your class. I learned that I can take learning into my own hands. I can advocate for myself. And now when they get into other classrooms, they demand that because they know that they're more successful with it. So you're handing them the tools for them to not only be successful now, but be able to be successful in the future. And then you're teaching them not to let anybody hold them back. Like that is so important for every educator to put in their classroom today. I agree. It, you said it beautifully. You know, it, there's no excuses. I mean, there's so many resources out there. And, uh, you know, Adam, you mentioned Lucio and Calexico. I'm lucky to be there because the way I teach, they're like, yeah, bring it. Mm -hmm. you know and when the pandemic happened they were like hey can you help train the staff and the staff was like i want more hey you mentioned this tour you showed something or you talked about it before can i can you talk to me privately i'm still stuck sure why not because they just so welcoming and my principal elvia fuentes I'll, I'll name drop her she's awesome the best principal i've had because i was already kind of traumatized i just meant this really quickly I, I would go to my principal and go oh you know what i have this idea and i would have to feel them out and with her last year, I would tell her, hey, this. And when she goes, hold on. I was like, oh, no, I'm in trouble now. She goes, why do you keep telling me this? She goes, just do what you're doing. She goes, I already saw you on Twitter. I knew who you were. She goes, if I see something I don't like, I'll tell you. She goes, but so far, your kids are in love with your class, and I love what you're doing. They're learning. Just do it. Awesome. Perfect. Just do it. And for the, and for the record, principal, and every principal should be that. For the record, 1979, we have the same birth year, Ray, so I am 41. I'm not really 28. I feel well, like I'm, I feel like I'm 19 to be completely honest, uh, but no. Can I'm I ask not. Adam, what, what day is your birthday? July 5th. 
Oh, okay. So it, it just passed. Mine's May 1st. So yeah, we're, we're, we're close, pretty close. Man. There you go. We're close. There you go. Hey, uh, Jesus, we appreciate all your name dropping. What about you, Ray? What about Ray? Ray, Ray? When's your birthday, Ray? I'm March 6th, so I, I'm older than all of you. Sorry. <laughs> hey, Seuss, bro, we appreciate all your name dropping. We appreciate your contribution. Um, thanks for joining the Teachers Reserve podcast, man. We really want to continue creating a space just to really amplify educators' voices um, and allow educators to kind of share their story. They can get a little bit of it in the book, but just to really show that passion and the message so we can get one step closer toward achieving all that we deserve. Uh, remember, if you are still listening, we always appreciate you choosing to subscribe to the podcast to stay up to date on every episode when we drop. Um, also consider giving us a review. It takes like two and a half minutes. And uh, so we can, uh, we can learn and continue to reach more, uh, more people. And um, uh, thank you again. Uh, Jesus, Ray, always awesome to hang out and talk to educators. And uh, hey, man, keep crushing it. Keep crushing it for, for you and for your colleagues and for your students and uh, everybody down in Calexico and down, uh, down in the valley, man. Awesome. And just thank you, Ray and, and Adam, for having me and letting me talk, 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 talk. And I just appreciate everything. And um, again, just thank you. I love it. Because hey, teachers deserve it. That's right. Thanks, everybody.